0: Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I'm Terry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast. I hope that this finds you. Having a great week. We are in the middle of a series called How Do I Do That. We're answering different questions that we may or may not want to ask when it comes to the Christian faith, like how do I read my Bible? How do I pray? Those kind of things. We're sort of in the middle of a discussion on being restored. Can I be restored? How does that work? How do I restore my relationship with the Lord? Is basically the question we're answering. And we're looking at different types of situations and people. God has a history of restoring, because we can get into a, a negative place, a place of wrong thinking, depending on our situation, to where we are not sure that we are restoration material, whether we are the hurt is too deep, we've made too many mistakes, we've done it too many times, or we are just too far away from the Lord for Him to be interested in restoring us. The Bible addresses these issues and we want to have right thinking, true thinking about this situation because we want restoration for our lives. Today we want to focus on the next type of situation, the next type of Of person God can restore the fearful last year a man hid in our bushes awaiting someone unaware to abduct fortunately we were aware we had learned he had been hiding in a nearby field for weeks watching in the neighborhood and learning our habits and who was out and what we were doing he had made two unsuccessful attempts at snagging women who were walking in the neighborhood the previous weeks and had a crime record we knew because the police had picked him up before and had let him go. So a personal description was established. But our guard dog had died and my spouse had moved to another city for the year. When a real boogeyman is at the end of your driveway... There is a different level of alarm that presents itself than when it's a hypothetical beckoning to lock your doors. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Scripture speaks to fear and calls us out of it. Simply stated, you and I are commanded not to fear. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not Fear or be dismayed, and I could have picked a verse from just about anywhere, it's all over scripture. It's not a suggestion, and my situation is not an exception, neither is yours. The Bible never tells us, however, that there's nothing legitimate about which to be afraid. Hands down, I could be the poster child for fear. <laughs> my fears have spanned my years and could fill a closet for variety. They have invaded my sleep and left me breathless, honestly. Some of my fears are more irrational, like avoiding the dentist for my routine teeth cleaning. (laughs) But I understand also what it's like to fear for your life and for the lives of your children. The disciples in Scripture Found themselves in a life and death situation, terrified and helpless. And I really think it's important that when we read, we have to understand these are real people. It's a story, but yet these were real people. These fellows were terrified and helpless in their situation. And we find them in a boat without Jesus in the middle of the night. These are experienced fishermen, and they're terrified. That should tell us something. We pick up where Jesus has made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of the shore where he dismissed the crowds, verse 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain By himself to pray. When evening came, there he was alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Doing exactly what Jesus had asked them to do, these experienced fishermen were losing the battle between man and the sea. It began to look like all hope for survival was gone. And that's when they saw him. Instead of providing hope and comfort, the sighting of Jesus was. Walking across the waves escalated into paralyzing shrieks of fright from these guys. It had to be a ghost, they said. Verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. This is grown men. Instantly, Jesus met them in their urgent need. Jesus saw them. He spoke to them and literally went out to them. This is what we find in verse 27. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, Do not be afraid. When cries were heard, Scripture tells us it was Jesus who immediately offered them his courage, assuring them of who he was and that they need not be afraid. It's the same for you and me. It is so hard to remember this, but it's the same for you and me. Jesus sees you in your fear in what is paralyzing you. In the middle of your hurricane-like situation, let his word speak volumes over you. He knows it's scary, but your Savior stands ready to give you his courage to restore you out of fear to trust him through your storm. He's the only one who can, but he can. He has before. He does now. And He will restore us when we are without courage and in the fourth watch of the night of fearful situations. This is what Jesus has come to do in our life. And this is the assurance that we have from Scripture. God restores the fearful. God also restores the discouraged. Have you ever trusted in a product or a service to find out that you have just been completely duped, <laughs> you buy a bottle of water for its purity, only to discover it's from some tap in Milwaukee or somewhere like that. Or you wear a armband promising better balance, along with intellectual clarity, uh, sounder sleep, and agelessness. You want to believe it's all true, but reality tells us a different story. That's what happened in the case of something called the Piltman Man, the archaeological finding that promised to provide the missing link for evolution. That's what the Piltman Man was. In the middle of the 20th century, this landmark discovery was found to be a complete hoax. The skull that was celebrated as a human mediary between ape and man actually originated from an orangutan. It had all been a farce to perpetuate the authenticity of a desired outcome. You see, these evolutionists believed they had found the evidence to support what they wanted to believe. So when the evidence proved otherwise, they continued with the sham until it became obvious and public. John the Baptist finds himself in a dungeon, fearing just such a predicament. Everything that was once Transparent and absolute has become clouded. The herald of the Savior, John the Baptist, questions his own calling and his own judgment. Did he make a mistake? Because sitting in a dungeon is not how he calculated fulfilling his purpose. It's as if he fears he has perpetuated his own farce. To settle matters, John sent his disciples to Jesus. He wanted to know if he'd been duped by a con artist Or if Jesus was the Savior, he announced. Now, when John heard in prison, this is scripture, about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. That's Matthew 11, 2 through 6. John was locked up in a dark, flea-infested, stench-filled dungeon indefinitely. It's the kind of place you and I have likely only read about. But we can sympathize with how he acquiesced into questioning everything he'd ever known and believed. What is important to note is the response from Jesus. In essence, he calls upon John to compare what the scriptures declare the Messiah will do with reality. For this, we look at Isaiah, Isaiah 35, 3-6, where it says, "...strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you." Verse 5 Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongues of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Yes, John got it right, even though he couldn't see through the darkness of his own experiences. Yes, sometimes life takes turns and swivels we never expected. We can have our own dismal dungeon experiences in life. I have a good friend right now whose life took an unexpected turn. In a matter of minutes, she left town with the children, relocated and returned a few calls. I don't know the details yet, but this woman is having a dungeon experience of epic proportion. Of this I am certain. If God can restore John the Baptist, shaken in the dungeon about the very identity of Jesus, the very one he proclaimed to be the coming Messiah, and then questioned in the dark, and he knew it was him before, that God, that God can restore my friend in her catastrophe, in it. What we learn from the Bible, what God has gifted us In the pages is this resounding truth to stand on, to plant your feet upon. Whenever you find yourself in a dungeon experience, heartbroken, fearful again, or in a mess of your own doing for the 15th time, your God can restore. He has a history of doing it. That's what we've been trying to communicate over these last two episodes. He has a history of doing it. So we know that he has restored And we can rely on His faithfulness, His character, and His promises because we are not too different. We are not too far gone. We are not too difficult for Him to mess with. Therefore, He will restore. It takes three actions on our part. We're going to have to do three things. The first thing you and I are going to have to do to be restored is ask for it. Say something like, Lord, I believe you can restore me and I'm asking that you do the work I cannot do for myself. The second thing we have to do is to seek a clean heart. Psalms 51 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Do you need forgiveness? Or is there some other business that... Needs to be done. Whether you've been afraid or lost in craziness without him or so deeply hurt, you don't know how to get back. This is when you come before him. Seek a clean heart. This is his business and he knows how to do it and give it to you. You want to seek a clean heart. And then the last thing is to live it out. Take his courage. Take his forgiveness. Wrap his comfort around you in the morning when you get up. And the way we do this is to stop and spend time with Him. He is ready to encourage. He is there to instruct. He heals hurts so that we can live differently, so that we can live out our relationship with Him in confidence that He is who He says He is, and He can do even this work of restoration in our lives. How can we be restored in our relationships with God? Ask for it. Seek a clean heart. Live it out. So that when you meet someone else along the way, Who might be discouraged or heartbroken, scared silly, or in a complete mess that takes them away from the Lord. You have something to offer. Hey, are you feeling a little distance from God through all this? You can say, I understand. Then you can begin to share with them about God's faithfulness and how you learned to do that. It's been a good series, ladies. I'm so enjoying it. I think we have one more question to answer before we head on to the next thing. I enjoy being here with you. Tag a friend. Let them know about it if you think it will benefit them. And I will see you in a week. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing a resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.